Serving God Across the Divide A Lesson from Jeremiah by Oliver Glanz Oliver Glanz, Ph.D., is a professor of Old Testament Studies at the Seventh-day Adventist Theological Seminary, Andrews University, Berrien Springs, Michigan, United States. While my family and I were driving Holbrook Church one Sabbath, my daughter asked, quote, Daddy, was the pastor not preaching a conspiracy theory? End quote. Quote, it's very good that you listened so carefully, end quote. I answered, quote, you may be correct, end quote. Quote, why go to this church if the pastor preaches conspiracy theories, end quote, she responded. Conflict Exhaustion In my conversations with colleagues and friends, one thing becomes clear again and again. COVID-19, politics, racism, sexual orientation debates, and the conflict in Ukraine have taken a toll on all of us. We are all exhausted by the conflict, ideological warfare, and radicalization we are experiencing in society. We constantly are asked to state our views or to associate with positions we do not identify with. I am tired. Such exhaustion can lead to withdrawing, becoming silent about everything, and watching the world around us apathetically. As Adventist educators and pastors, how can we educate across the many divides we find in our schools and congregations? Perhaps Jeremiah, the great prophet and educator, could provide a biblical perspective on the challenging question before us. A Biblical Perspective Few have found themselves in such vast and varied conflict as the prophet who lived through the fall of Jerusalem. He saw at least three types of conflict. Conflict of social hierarchies in which the elite of the aristocracy economically and legally exploited the mass of the socially disadvantaged. In several passages, Jeremiah presents prophetic oracles that could make him sound like a Marxist today. But then, he appears again with oracles that condemn the proletariat and its morals, equating them with the corruption of the power elites. Ethnic conflicts in which envy, jealousy, and xenophobia were palpable daily. The masses of refugees that had come decades earlier from the fallen northern empire to Jerusalem and the south were not well integrated. The quote-unquote natives, who themselves had long ago arrived as strangers, regarded the refugees as a threat to the job market. Geopolitical conflict between the pro-Egyptian and pro-Babylonian politicians. While King Josiah was pro-Babylonian, King Jehoiakim was pro-Egyptian. Although Jehoiakim surrenders to the Babylonians, his uncle Zedekiah fights until the end. Such conflicts echo those we encounter daily in the media. Jeremiah, however, always positioned himself clearly. Babylon would win the struggle between the great powers. Did Jeremiah's position make him a liberal who questioned the eternal covenant of God with the Davidic throne? 
The religious elite and leading politicians thought so and wanted the death penalty for him because of treason and being a religious heretic. But is Jeremiah a supporter of the pro-Babylonian party? When Nebuchadnezzar conquers the city and seeks to honor the prophet, he declines. He wants to stay with the left-behind Judeans, despite all the suffering, hatred, and misunderstanding he has received from them. Clearly, Jeremiah is not a party member of the pro-Babylonians. The prophet takes clear positions while not fitting into any political pigeonhole or into any social critical theory. Jeremiah waves none of the popular banners but criticizes each flag or keeps quiet about them to avoid further damage. But while the prophet deconstructs, he also has a clear ethnic compass. He both disappoints all expectations and exceeds them at the same time. No religious political alliances can be forged with him. His language reveals that he is a Deuteronomist and under Deuteronomy's influence like no other prophet. Personal versus Professional Jeremiah's friend King Josiah was known for his major religious reform in the kingdom of Judah. The king and the prophet advocate the same theology, and both strive for spiritual reformation among the people. But despite such similarities, Nowhere does the book of Jeremiah mention that the prophet ever collaborated with Josiah. For all the similarities, the book knows nothing of the prophet's political or religious supports of the king. Why? Josiah combines his religious reformation with political reformation. He accompanied his call to return to God with a desire to re-establish the old borders of the Davidic kingdom. His spiritual reformation was also part of his political ambition, restoring, through prayer and the sword, God's everlasting covenant with David. That is precisely why Jeremiah will never be found on a political campaign bus with Josiah. He carries out his prophetic office as if the king did not exist. Privately, however, he remains a friend. On a personal level, he values the king, even if he cannot in any way support him in his mingling of faith and power. At Josiah's tomb, Jeremiah weeps for the loss of his good friend. To learn at the feet of Jeremiah is to discover that social critical theory, popular categories, political parties, and social media culture often only lead to polarization and violence. Overcoming what is needed is an overcoming of antithetical tensions. But where does the spirit that makes such overcoming possible derive from? It originates in the ethos of prophecy. Only in the radical love for God first and then for the individual human being, whether it is the church, nation, or fellow human, can arise the possibility, beyond any theory and political attitude, of seeing the fear, longing, and life situations of others and then connecting with them. Precisely here is the essence of the school of the prophets. Jeremiah lives it. The prophet is never just only on the side of God, and he is never only committed to the truth. 
In the end, a true prophet stands up for his people. Like Moses, he continues to intercede for them even after God declares that there is no hope for them anymore. He remains the advocate of his people, despite their unruliness, being corrupt, fragmented, narrow-minded, and self-absorbed. Like God himself, he seeks to intercede, save, and bring together. Dogged Determination And so, Jeremiah finds himself threatened with death by the godless rulers of religious categories and political positions. And on the other side, God, recognizing the fertility of Jeremiah's intercessory prayer, requests him three times to finally stop interceding for his people. But Jeremiah will not. According to tradition, Jeremiah is the author of Lamentations, in which he will continue to weep and plead for his people even after they have been sent into the divine judgment of exile. Such prophetic ethos is, on its most foundational level, free from any loyalty to human political parties, religious institutions, or national myths. The prophetic ministry is driven by an almost impossible sympathy for God and people. You'll probably think to yourself, did Jeremiah ever manage to achieve national unity, social justice, and religious ideological peace? Unfortunately, we find no record of it in scripture. Tradition tells us that he was stoned to death in Egypt by his own countrymen. He may not have belonged to any party, but all parties certainly hated him. Positive Teachings Jeremiah's life also had its positive fruits. As a prophet and good educator, he not only was a master of deconstruction, but also had a clear vision of what God sought to do by his representation of the, quote, new covenant, end quote. Yet, sadly, only with Jesus did Jeremiah's nonpartisan outlook become discussable, thinkable, and experienceable. When Jeremiah teaches how to find national healing and restore Judah's unity, he emphasizes that such healing can occur only when we do not focus on rebuilding the Davidic throne or Solomonic temple. In fact, he claims that such political and religious institutions contributed to Judah's fragmentation and led to toxic myths of national and religious identity. Consequently, the prophet shows how attempts at religious reforms sadly coincide with moral decline. In his vision of educating across the divide, he sees a fascinating, enormous building project that we can all become part of. In his book of Consolation, in which we find the New Covenant text, he uses the word to build more than any other prophet. But nowhere will we find physical buildings, palaces, temples, city walls, or streets being rebuilt by God. Instead, Jeremiah's vision only knows of the rebuilding of people, the rebuilding of families, and the rebuilding of men and women. People are in focus, not institutions. Of course, organized communities have their justification, but that is secondary to the purpose of Jeremiah's education across the divide. 
Application Although Adventists, educators, and pastors might see their mission as a possible death trap, it is really a summons to service and sacrifice, a call to be just like Jesus. Our loyalty belongs to Jesus and the individuals we teach and engage in our sanctuaries and classrooms. When our passion and sympathy are not ultimately driven by loyalties toward hierarchies of powers, paychecks, and church politics, but by loyalty only to God and the individuals we are to serve as teachers and pastors, we will find ourselves nearly torn apart, our life dangerously stretched thin between heaven and earth. But it is only by such thin threads that the fabric of restoration is woven. Jeremiah's education across the divide was ultimately not a death trap, but the seed by which the healing of fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, peoples and nations found their belongings. Returning to my daughter's question, I told her, quote, You observed well. Always be discerning regarding what your teachers, your pastors, and even your parents say, end quote. Quote, so why do we stay? End quote, she asked. Quote, isn't it dangerous? End quote. Quote, it's our family. And because we decided that this is our family, let us hope they will be kind to us when we are wrong. End quote. For bibliographical and biblical references on this article and for much more content for pastors and church leaders, please visit ministrymagazine.org.